Welcome to another edition of Healthy You with Andrea and Drew. This time, you didn't start off funny. The last few ones have yeah. kind of been goofy off comical. the top. Yes, a little goofy. I wouldn't say comical. Just goofy. I'm a little sleep more sleep deprived. Yes, that's you know, <laughs> happens when you're a new mama. Well, I have a you know, you've warned me for I, that. I'm at home with a toddler and I'm still sleep deprived. What's happening? She's an energetic one, though. Yes. So. so, episode 31 of Healthy You and um, last episode. We chatted about breastfeeding versus formula feeding. We thought it was a good one. You know, you're a new mama. Yep. I have a kid at home. Lots of information and wrong information out there. um, There is so much information out there. So we talked about uh, the formula versus breastfeeding uh, debate. The first six months of an infant's child. The first six months. (laughs) Today we're going to talk about um, feeding infants and, and kind of making that transition from formula, the liquid diet, to... Well, sometimes I do a liquid diet, but that's yeah. just coffee at work. But that liquid <laughs> diet to solids and, and transitioning. And there's been a lot of changes um, over the, the last little bit. And you're going to talk about that. And um, it's something I'm aware of just because with Maria at home and talking to you and even uh, her doctor and just kind of getting information. And, you know, you start getting ready to introduce solids and there's info out there now and you think you're doing the right thing. And then, you know, the old Italian nonna says, no, wait, that's not what we did 45 years ago. Absolutely. And I go, wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there was actually an article in a magazine not too long ago um, that talked about uh, like my my mother, the way nonna raised and yeah. versus the, what I know. So, yeah. 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 So we're going to talk about how things have kind of evolved a little bit. But it is funny. I, it's just something I uh, – having been through it recently, just, yeah. I was exposed to it so much because you, you do things a certain way now and everyone has a different, different way of way doing, of doing it. it. And and the thought process, maybe it's not wrong. It's just different because it was the old way of doing exactly. things. And, you know, we're – again, that comes down to trusting our own selves in the way that we're raising kids. So – and I must say, Drew, you and your – my my sister, your wife, have a very good eater. So kudos to well, you for the – takes after us. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> very balanced. But I think the infant feeding guidelines now – we're in 2018 – uh, they were actually um, revamped and uh, brought to a surface in 2014. So they're actually four so, years ago that we saw these changes come through. It's still fairly recent, but I'm sure this is like anything else. It's going to continue to evolve. Yeah, but if you had a kid in 2012 or 2013 and maybe you're having your second kid now, mm, yes. this was a big education opportunity for parents with you know kids five, six years old and now they're bringing another one into the world because things have changed. And the reason why I wanted to bring this to light today is is why. Because a lot of times it's like, well, we actually, you know, we never learn the why. We we learn, oh, but we don't do it that way anymore. We do it this way. Yes. But why? Yeah. Okay. So in 2014, it was actually a joint collaboration between Health Canada, the Canadian Pediatric Society, the Dietitians of Canada, and the Breastfeeding Committee of Canada that kind of came together, looked at research, looked at the way children were, you know, feeding currently, um, and just being able to shed some more light to different approaches that we needed to, uh, to elaborate on to, to support parents in their food choices for their kids. Um, 
at six months of age, but sometimes some parents start and they call it complementary foods. So those first introduction of foods, sometimes kids will show interest about four and a half, five months as well to eat. Um, I've had a couple of situations where moms and dads have come to me saying, oh, my kid seems interested. Like they sit with us at the dinner table and they're always looking at food. Um, and so we suggest if they're over four and a half months, even five months, even better, you can try and a lot of times parents will try and the kid will show no interest. So yeah. we're like, okay, just, you know, try next week or what, whatnot. Um, but, but you can start at that point. The biggest change, you know, originally we were, we were saying, um, cereals. So cereals are still there. We want to make sure they're iron fortified cereals. But a lot of times we were starting with fruits and sweet vegetables. Mm. But now the biggest change is that we actually want uh, parents to start children on iron rich foods such as meat, meat alternatives. Um, again, the iron fortified cereals. Yep. Which is you well, you're saying the iron fortified cereals, which is something we saw all over the place. So, yeah. so, and you're talking now about iron. So, why exactly is iron? That's something you know. I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but you know, with Maria, I didn't really think why iron was so important. It's just we were told it was important. Yeah. So, so why? <laughs> so a baby is born with six months store of iron. Oh. Which is, yeah. So, base, and that's why during the last trimester, like iron is important for. Um, uh, a pregnant mom to take throughout her whole pregnancy becomes, but it becomes even more important during that last trimester because you don't only, only need to support the the mother's iron needs, but you also have to build the child's six month store of it. Um, basically, iron um, it makes hemoglobin, which is a key component of red blood cells that helps to carry oxygen to cells, tissues, and organs. So, obviously, we know that our oxygen to these areas helps for optimal growth and development, including cognitive and brain development. Okay. So this is where, you know, we never really saw the link as to why iron was so important. And from a, from a taste bud perspective, you know, iron-rich foods, eggs, and we're going to talk about allergen foods a little bit too, but eggs, uh, beans, legumes, meats, mm-hmm. um, dairy products, um, they don't tend to have a lot of flavor in them, yes, right? Yeah. So we're kind of introducing these foods to a, a new palate because the child has really only had breast milk or formula formula milk maybe those first six months. Whereas if you were to start a child off with mashed bananas, sweet potatoes, corn, uh, plums, peaches, and whatnot, they're getting used to a sweeter flavor, which is more palatable for many people. So then what we were seeing is that when those iron-rich foods were then started, the kids were not enjoying them them because they're like, hey, where's that other food? So mom and dad, and at that point, parents just want to make sure their kids are fed. They were just reverting too much to these other foods. Mm -hmm. And we were seeing a lot more low iron, like cases of low iron in kids. Um, you know, so, so we want to start with that, that iron rich foods and, and, and then even with textures, obviously you need to look at if your kid has a tooth, a one tooth, two teeth or no teeth. So you have to know how to monitor that. But, um, we're, we're transitioning to a little bit more like lumps and textures earlier on. And, and obviously parental Supervision needs to be there. Uh, And please, if you're a parent, be trained in CPR. Um, But 
you know, we're seeing that because it just allows for their whole mouth and their teeth and their, their muscles within their jaw to work a little bit better. So the, the whole iron rich foods and starting with that, um, is super important. What can we look at? Iron deficient babies, um, have been shown that they can experience, uh, different cognitive or behavioral development later on. Um, so we really want to make sure that those iron stores are, are ma- being maintained. Um, and if you do think now this isn't anything for you to assess and we, and we usually, we know that, um, doing blood work in babies is actually very invasive, but do speak to a dietitian or a, your physician about that. If you do think that maybe they're not getting enough, um, if they seem really tired. So that's one of the biggest thing. And that goes for anyone, even an adult who's yeah. low in iron, you're just really fatigued and you're really irritable. Um, definitely get it, get it checked out. The other concern and thing I wanted to talk about is, is even milk consumption. Um, so we know that cow's milk should be kind of waited till about nine months to be introduced to, to kids. Um, goat's milk is actually the most comparable to a mother's breast milk mm-hmm. as far as the nutrition content. But we do also want to be mindful about how much milk that we are feeding our kids. Um, nine, nine months is usually when you can introduce cow's milk because obviously it's kind of like liquid calories that we say for adults. If you're drinking too much milk, you're getting full on those nutrients and you're not going to be having an appetite for meals and snacks and the foods that we want the kids to eat. No room for anything else. Yeah. So one thing you do want to be mindful of is they say about two to three cups a day. That can be weaned off as well. Again, sitting down with someone to look at your child's overall diet to see Mm -hmm. where else are they getting calcium and protein. There's not a ton of iron in milk. It is fortified slightly. But what we did see is kids who drank too much milk had lower iron levels or anemia. So it is something, and then again, that gets filtered into, you know, the risks of, of low iron and an early age. It's so, the correlation between everything. One thing leads to another. Exactly. Leads to another. Yeah. Exactly. It makes sense. So, so that's why the infant feeding guidelines, the other change in them was actually um, introducing kids to an open cup uh, earlier on. And part of that is um, more from a dental hygienic uh, perspective of, you know, sippy cups and chewing and even bottles and what that can do and erode for the, for the teeth later on. So um, they're encouraging kids to, 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 you know, work with them. Different sippy cups have been <laughs> brought into the market to help with this as well. I remember with, with Maria, we used to give her a little shot glass to drink yes. water out of because it was, it was comparable to her size, right? Yeah, and we yeah. would be there and she would make a mess, but that's all right. Let them make a um, mess. That's an important part. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so little things like that. And that's more for like their oral hygiene. Yep. So um, the iron fortified, that's the biggest change in why um, the the oral hygiene. And then also just a last little note here on introducing of um, introduction of allergen foods. Yes. And there's a lot of them. Yes. There. Absolutely. And there's now more research that shows um, allergen foods are not to be avoided. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, in early 2017, there was the LEAP study that found that the early introduction of peanuts specifically to babies helped to prevent the development of a peanut allergy later on. Now, if certain allergens run in your family, it is always recommended to test the foods out at a, like under the supervision of a physician. Um, but there is now 
much more research that shows by introducing these foods earlier on to kids offset the possibility of an of an out allergic reaction later on instead of fearing like oh i gotta wait till a year there's yeah, certain yeah. things the only thing that should not be given to a child under the first year of age is honey um, because of botulism so uh, unpasteurized honey right. and just a final note here if you are gonna hopefully enjoy some peanuts or peanut butter with your child uh, actual peanuts and peanut butter from a spoon are a high choking hazard yes. so please make sure you are either spreading the peanut butter thinly on a piece of toast or, something um, like that. Yeah. or into a muffin or mix it in with some yogurt so yes and, and you know what so that's some interesting stuff on the allergens and just going back to what you said earlier uh just the lack of iron stuff like that you know what the biggest advice as new parents is you you kind of know when something's off. You do. And that's something that we're just going to, you know, people yeah. listening who don't have kids yet, you'll know. You'll know. And if yep. there's something that, even if you have a slight concern, there's no problem in calling your doctor, calling a professional like yourself at any time. If you think something's off, just look into it. Absolutely. But you know your child's intuitive cues yeah, the you, best. So please never distrust that. Yeah. Go with your instinct 100% of the time. Yep, that absolutely. instinct is always right. Best advice, Drew. Well, you know, <laughs> like to offer a little bit sometimes. <laughs> and that is just uh, – this is really, again, another topic, especially when you come to to feeding kids, babies, there's so much information mm-hmm. out there and people can re- <laughs> mm-hmm. people can reach you online. AndreaFalcone.ca to check this one out and a little bit more. But again, just trust yourself. 100%. And we'll be back with 32 very soon. Ooh.